listening to Nightlight. Hey, really great to be back with you for another Nightlight show. So nice to be with you. Well, we're going to have an inspirational program again tonight. I've selected some really good inspirations. I don't know how many inspirations I must have recorded in my lifetime, but I never get tired of (laughs) recording more. And these ones are freshly recorded for the program. I'm going to read them as we go along. Plus, of course, we have some great songs. We have some older songs and some newer songs. We're starting with an older song, which is one of my favorites from Simon Rugley. It's called Brighter Day.
Simon Rugby recorded an album of songs about 15 years ago, and those songs are timeless, and I think it's time I started playing some of them again on Nightlight. Anyway, that's one of my favorites. It's called Brighter Day. Actually, it might be oh so sad, but I prefer to call it Brighter Day. Feeling all right while listening to Nightlight. Well, our first inspiration on the show is called Paradoxical Commandments by Kent M. Keith. This is a piece that's often attributed to Mother Teresa because a copy of it hung on her wall. But it was actually written by Kent Keith when he was just 19 years old, first published by Harvard Student Agencies in 1968. People are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you're kind, people may accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some false friends and some true enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and frank, people may cheat you. Be honest and frank anyway. What you spend years building, someone may destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, others may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today, people will often forget tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give the world the best you've got anyway. You see, in the final analysis, it's all between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. Children, let's find warmth here at the fireplace Let the true light of the word warm your hearts and light up your face Receive the light and let it make you stronger Learn how to enjoy life a little longer Here at the fire of love's Approaching like it has been long foretold No, we won't lose our path We'll refuse to let our hearts grow cold And though ten thousands may be falling all around us We'll still hold on to the light that shines upon us Here at the fire of love's heart Find what you've been searching A place where you feel you belong Here you'll be always at home And receive strength to carry on Here you'll find brothers and sisters A family that won't fall apart Here at the feet of the King Here at the fire of love's heart
yourself be found By the one in whom all power, all wisdom and love abound If you had lover, could you ever be a loser? The only losers are the ones who will refuse her The queen of the fire of love Choosing the songs for the program today, I remember that I'd said I was going to keep playing David Blossom's songs until I played you all the good ones from his library, which are a lot, because he sent me this huge library of songs a few years ago, and I didn't get around to playing very many of them. So I'm kind of methodically going through and picking out songs that kind of fit in with the themes of my program. That's another great song. A very simply produced, he's an acoustic guitar player and produces, I think he just records them in his living room, he said, but they're great songs, great lyrics, and that one was called Fire of Love's Heart. It's quite a pleasant night when listening to Nightlight. Nightlight. Well, the next inspiration is called Do Not Be Overcome by Marie Pelequin, and it's a meditation on Romans 12, 21, which says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's interesting that the Apostle Paul wrote that to the Christians in Rome because there are some obvious similarities between the social climate of first century Rome and that of much of the world of today. Evil was rampant in Rome and its pull was strong. The Roman Empire hadn't become the undisputed ruler of the Western world through compassion kindness or humility. Wealth was in the hands of a few, and they used it to control the rest. The rich and powerful lived extravagantly, while the masses struggled to survive. Perversions and debauchery were practiced by some and ignored by others. Christianity was just one religion, and Christ just one more deity. Considering the pantheon of gods that the Romans worshipped, it must have been difficult to convince anyone that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. Starting to sound familiar, it's easy to feel overwhelmed by the evil in the world. 
Every day we hear about another horrible crime being committed. Meanwhile, the popular media searches for new and more horrific ways to portray violence, perversion, and all manner of evil. Whether it's a case of art imitating life or vice versa, life has lost its sanctity in the minds of many. What can we do about a world so overcome with evil? This was the same dilemma that the Christians in Rome faced. And Paul's counsel to them rings true today. Overcome evil with good. If a dish is dirty, being angry about the situation does nothing to fix it. Neither does trying to ignore it. The only solution is to expose that dirty dish to the power of a little soap and water. If a room is dark, you can curse the darkness or whine over how unpleasant it is, or you can flip the light switch or open the curtains and let some light in. It's the same with society's evils. We can get discouraged, angry or depressed, overcome by evil. Or we can be a force for good, even if only through personal example. Not every dirty dish will be cleaned, and not every darkened heart will be enlightened. But we can each do our part day by day, person by person, decision by decision.
that song a few weeks ago, something new from Keith Yoakum. It's a great song. I love that song. I don't normally like so much a country and western, but uh, I love his country and western style. Great lyrics also, and uh, glad to play it again on Nightlight, and it's called Instead. Inspiring you to draw closer to God. You're listening to Nightlight. Well, the next inspiration is a short one, but one of my favorites. It's called Make a Difference, and it's retold by Keith Phillips. A man was walking near a beach when he saw a boy bend over, pick something up, and throw it into the ocean. Over and over, the boy did this. The man went to see what was going on and found that countless starfish had been washed onto the beach by the tide. Struck by the apparent futility of the task the boy had taken on, the man said, You must be crazy. There are hundreds and hundreds of starfish here. You can't possibly make a difference. But the boy bent down, picked up another starfish, and threw it back into the ocean. I made a difference to that one, he replied. You're listening to an international edition of Nightlight, shining God's love light to the world. And yes, you're listening to an international edition of Nightlight. And this next song definitely has an international feel. It's from the Michael Dooley Jazz Ensemble, although this has a distinctly Middle Eastern flavor because Michael lived in the Middle East for many years. It's called Across the Gulf. Across the gulf, oh, 
soon evermore I felt you reaching out to me Reaching out to me As I gaze across the sure takes you on a spirit trip, doesn't it, to the Middle East. That's Rachel, I believe, singing, a girl called Rachel, who sings with Michael Dooley from their jazz CD. But of course, that one, I think, is the only song on the CD that isn't actually jazz style, but great song called Across the Gulf. Shining Love's Light. You're listening to Nightlight. You probably never heard of the Epistle to Diognetus, neither had I, until I read this article in an issue of the Activated magazine called The Christian Profile. And I found out that the Epistle to Diognetus was written by an unnamed Christian to a high-ranking pagan, probably in the late second century. And it's perhaps the earliest preserved explanation and defense of the Christian faith to a non-believer. And it also provides insight as to how early Christians viewed the world and their place in it. Christians are not distinguished from the rest of humanity by country, language, or custom. For nowhere do they live in cities of their own, nor do they speak some unusual dialect, nor do they practice an eccentric lifestyle. While they live in both Greek and barbarian cities, as each one's lot was cast, and follow the local customs in dress and food and other aspects of life, at the same time, they demonstrate the remarkable and admittedly unusual character of their own spiritual citizenship. They live in their own countries, but only as aliens. They participate in everything as citizens and endure everything as foreigners. Every foreign country is their fatherland, and every fatherland is foreign. They are in the flesh, but they do not live according to the flesh. They live on earth, but their citizenship is in heaven. They obey the established laws. Indeed, in their private lives, they transcend the laws. They love everyone. They are put to death, yet they are brought to life. They are in need of everything, yet they abound in everything. They are dishonored, yet they are glorified in their dishonor. They are slandered, yet they are vindicated. They are cursed, yet they blessed. They are insulted, yet they offer respect. When they are punished, they rejoice as though brought to life. Those who hate them are unable to give a reason for their hostility. In a word, what the soul is to the body, Christians are to the world. The soul is dispersed through all the members of the body, and Christians throughout the cities of the world. The soul dwells in the body, but is not of the body. Likewise, Christians dwell in the world, but are not of the world. The soul, which is invisible, is confined in the body, which is visible. In the same way, Christians are recognized as being in the world, and yet their religion remains invisible. 
Something new here from Sam Halbert and friends singing about the Lord's wonderful love. When I'm troubled in mind And my burdens are heavy And it seems like the sun Won't shine up above When I go to Sam Halbert, also known as Singing Sam, and his friends. And they're working on a a brand new album. I can't wait to have some more songs. He sent me one or two as kind of like a a preview or a foretaste. I need to get back in touch with Sam, see if he can send me some more. Visit our website at radioact.org. And please do visit our website at www.radioact.org. Lots of nightlight shows there. I think this is show number 89 in our international series. So if you missed any, you can go there and download them or listen online. Feeling all right while listening to Nightlight. 
You know, I've been on radio a long time, and I hope that you enjoyed. A few weeks ago, I played you a couple of Music with Meaning shows. That was a program I hosted way back in the 70s and early 80s. Well, I realized that I have a lot of songs tucked away in my library from that era, and some of them are really classic songs, and I haven't played them on the radio for many, many years. So I thought we could have a blast from the past or an oldie goldie spot on Nightlight when I can play something from way back then. And this is one from Zach and Shelley, used to be one of my favorite opening numbers, and it's a great song with a great message, and it's called It's a Miracle. Hardest thing in the whole wide world is just believing it could be so simple. For well, I love you, honey, I do. Just like a child, we can start all over. As we grow and love each day, I can hear my I was listening to that song, just how old it is. I think about 37, 38 years, still sounding great. That's Zach and Shelley. It's a miracle. Switch off and switch on to Nightlight. Okay, next inspiration is called The Drunk at My Window by Angela Sousa. And uh, the verse that goes along with it is, 
Matthew chapter 25, verse 34 through 36, which says, Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Inasmuch as you did it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. It was nearly midnight, and I was brushing my teeth, already half asleep, when I heard him. He was shouting and mumbling at the same time, probably a drunk calling to his drinking buddy, I decided. Half an hour later, I could still hear the man shouting, though I couldn't make out anything he was saying. Enough was enough, I decided to call the police. As I passed a window, I saw that the man was standing under a streetlight. He was older than I had imagined, bare-chested in the cold, and yelling right in my direction. A young man stopped to talk with him. A moment later, he took off his jacket and put it on the old man. I was astonished. The two hugged, and I could tell that the young man was praying for the drunk. A couple passed and did a double take, but the young man didn't seem to care what they were thinking. Eventually, the modern-day Good Samaritan put his arm around the old man as if to say, I'll get you home. And with that, the two were gone. I stood at the window a while longer, thinking about my own Christianity. I had to admit that my reaction to the annoying drunk had fallen far short of what Jesus's would have been. Jesus wouldn't have called the police. He would have stopped. He would have talked with the man. He would have given him his coat. He would have listened to him, comforted him, and prayed for him. And it might have changed the old man's life. When I eventually went back to bed, I thanked God for sending that young man to help both the drunk and me. And I prayed to do better next time. God sends a needy person my way. I've been cheated And it feels bad They lent me all their smiles But now they want them back What's the point in singing This song aloud Nobody listens Anyhow Maybe I'm stupid And maybe I'm sick Maybe it's not normal to Feel like this My friends can't fix it They don't want to try And I'm just starting to realize No one cares No one cares No one seems to love me at all No 
could barely hear you on the sidewalk down below. I won't say, please don't cry. I felt like you a while ago. Someone who cares brought me this light to fill the pockets of my heart. And now I know things get better. Someone loves just who you are. song before. It's called No One Cares. That's Florence McNair. Song written and produced by her brother, Steve McNair. Working with God by Martin McTagg. The workplace is becoming an increasingly nasty and competitive arena. Too often, honesty and hard work seem to lose out to the pursuit of a quick buck and me-first politicking. But there is another way. The idea that the Bible contains specific guidance for the modern work life is not as incongruous as it might seem. As Joseph and Daniel proved, integrity and diligence can help us succeed and stand out from the crowd. Have a strong work ethic. Give it your best shot. Instead of doing the minimum, put your all into your responsibilities. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. And Proverbs 13, 4 says, The soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Be a self-starter. Go to the ant 
you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. That's Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. And Proverbs chapter 11, verse 3 says, Be honest. Bending the rules doesn't pay in the long run. Proverbs 11, 3 says, Honesty guides good people. Dishonesty destroys treacherous people. Don't dwell on negatives. No job is perfect. If there is any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. That's Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. As for that hard-to-get-along-with co-worker, the Bible admonishes in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Contentions? A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. That's Proverbs 29, verse 11. Feeling restless and bored? God will refresh your spirit. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. That's from Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. Are you feeling stressed and spent? Matthew eleven twenty-eight says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And finally, be patient. God blesses those who do things His way, but not always immediately, and not only in dollars and cents. Bible figures Joseph and Daniel both rose to top positions, but neither was an overnight success. The blessings of the Lord makes one rich. That's Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. And James chapter 1, verse 4 says, Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Encouraging you how very dearly Jesus loves you. You're listening to Nightlight. Let's have a nice devotional song now where we can sing along to Jesus. This is Philip Johnson.
of wisdom to this people mind when I stumble in the darkness you are more than kind let my voice always rejoice and sing of your Exercise. Right, time for a spiritual exercise. And this one is called Who Needs Prayer? Who needs your prayers? Lots of people do. Among those closest to you, there are probably at least a few who aren't in good health or have suffered some personal loss or are depressed or stressed. And there are those that you hear about in the news and those you pass on the road of life. It's easy to get so wrapped up in your own concerns that we neglect to look around at the needs of others. This exercise is a remedy to such self-involvement, but it's more than that. It's a vehicle for you to reach out and help others. It starts with a simple premise. God answers prayers. There are many accounts in the Bible of prayer bringing outstanding results. When Elisha prayed for the sun-stricken child and the boy revived, for example. And Jesus told us, Whatsoever things you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. The prophet Samuel recognized that neglecting to pray for others is a sin. And Paul set an example by praying often for his co-workers. Begin this exercise by picturing yourself in the center of a set of concentric circles. You're in the center, but the focus isn't on you. Within the first circle are your family and closest friends. It's probably easy to identify the needs of at least two or three. Make a note. Now picture the next circle, your colleagues and acquaintances. Make a note of their names and needs. Now picture the widest circle, people whom you don't know personally, but whose needs you are aware of. The woman in a wheelchair who you passed on the street, the homeless family you read about. Make a note. At this point, you probably have a list of about 10 people. Pray for these people throughout the coming week. Keep the list where you will notice it, perhaps next to your bed or over the kitchen sink or on your desk. 
Take five or ten minutes every day to pray for them. Even a few moments of meaningful, heartfelt prayer can make a big difference in someone's life. When a believing person prays, great things happen. I pray for you. On my knees, I start my day with you. For I know this is a way that I can help you rise above. And so I take the time to stop my hands, to still my heart, and really plead for you. For I see the desperate need. A strength to you and help you carry on. So now I'll take the time to stop my hands, to still my heart, and really pray for you. As you fight to move ahead in your plight upon your bed, for the sorrow in your heart and all the troubles that surround. I come before the King right now, petition Him to bring you now, the strength you need, the faith you lack, and for His love to abound. And yes, I pray for you. I give a choice part of my day to you. And I have the faith He'll make a way Take the time to stop my hands, to still my heart, and really cry for you. Pour out my heart, empty my eyes for you. Fully aware that he who died for you now lives to strengthen you. And so I take the time to stop my hands, to still my heart. Really cry for you as you fight to overcome, or you struggle with someone, as you battle with some task that's far too great for you to win. I ask him on my knees right now to bring the things you need right now for light to see his loving hand in all your going through. And Dear one, I pray for you On my knees I start my day with you For I know this is a way that I can help you rise above And so I take the time to stop my hands, to still my heart Take the time to stop my hands, to still my heart. He'll surely fight for you. 
Jerry Palladino's beautiful song brings us to the end of Nightlight. I'll be back with you next time for another inspiring program. we just got a couple more minutes left, so let's go out with a From Jesus With Love. And this one is titled Learning to Relate. God bless you. Bye-bye. A key to understanding others is putting yourself in their place. When I came to earth, I did that for you. I experienced firsthand the difficulties of life. I got tired, hungry, sick, lonely, discouraged, and went through everything else you experience. And having done that, I can now truly feel for you, help and comfort you the way you need me to. That's also the key to relating well to others. You can't totally change your circumstances like I did, but you don't need to. Just project yourself mentally into their circumstances. For example, before you ask someone to do something that may seem simple and straightforward to you, consider first whether that person will feel the same. Or if someone is out of sorts, think about what might be causing that person to act that way there is a much safer way to operate than assuming everyone else sees and feels the same way about things as you. Walk a mile in another's shoes, as the saying goes, and you will be much more inclined to be understanding and supportive when the situation calls for that. Then adjust your expectations or presentation accordingly. Others will sense that you've anticipated their needs or concerns and taken their limitations into account, and this will help you live and work together better. Empathy helps create unity of minds and goals, and that's a wonderful thing.